Adding wholesale as a channel to your store is a great way to increase revenue. But how do you offer customer-specific pricing in Shopify? Well, there's a bold app for that. It's called Customer Pricing, and it's great for wholesale, of course. But it's also cool to add things like a VIP program, where you reward your best customers. It's so easy to use. To put a customer in a price group, you tag their customer account. That's it. Or if you want to get fancy, the app could do it automatically for you, tagging customers into groups based off how much they've spent, how often they've ordered, where they're from, or what products they purchased. For example, let's say a customer spends $500. We could automatically tag them as silver, and they get 5% off. Then when they've spent 1000 or more, they get tagged gold, and now they get 10% off. And with the tagging by product purchase feature, you could actually sell a membership product and then give members a discount, not unlike a Costco or a Sam's Club. Now, as an unofficial Shopify podcast listener, Bold is offering you their customer pricing app free for two months. Just go to kurtelster.com bold, and you can install it from there to get the exclusive offer. kurtelster.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores, like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page, so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. My question for you, I have a question for you. All right, hit me. Uh, what's work? I don't know anymore. Be two weeks off. So like at the beginning of Christmas break, so it's like we really didn't do much of anything for two weeks, which is great. Felt great. But like at the start of it, I have trouble adjusting. So at the tar- start of vacation, I need a little bit of time. I get anxiety when you mess with my routine. I'm like no different than a toddler. Oh. And then I got used to it, felt great, like playing... VR and doing house projects and going to cabins. And then now I'm back at work and I'm like, what am I doing? That's funny. Cause I'm the opposite. Like the first week of vacation, I'm just like, woo, doing nothing. Woo. What are we doing? We're watching LA law. We're playing computer games. It's all we're doing. <laughs> and then yesterday I was like, I was an asshole yesterday. Like I was like in very, very bad mood. Like not good. I was so dysregulated. And I was like, man, I need to get back to work. I need to get back on my schedule because it just time doesn't exist anymore. Okay, yeah. So I'm. I assume I would get there if I stayed away long enough. But I'm like that on vacation. Like if a vacation lasts, if a vacation like we hit like day four or five of the vacation, I'm kind of like, yeah, we can go home now. <laughs> it's been here too long. You know, it depends. I used to be that way. I think I'm getting better at taking vacation. But like that, when you're, especially when you own your own business, you really have to teach yourself how to like unplug and then work and then go back to it. It's a weird, it's a skill we yeah. don't talk about. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's sort of, um, you know, things came up. I did stuff over the last two weeks, but, it, and so it was just that background anxiety. Like I probably should check my email in case Ooh. something did blow up and I did do it and I did get things done. But yeah, my whole family's like that. We, we went on a trip to Canada when I was a kid, uh, multi city week long trip. 
And I remember in, we were in Montreal and it was just kind of like, it's time to go home now. We're going home now. Like the whole family, just like consensus. And my dad Iron Man it from Montreal to Chicago. Whoa. Yeah, it was nuts. What's it like? That's, a, that's definitely an all day drive. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. Uh, so what the hot gift in our house uh, seems to be Legos. No matter what anybody got, Lego was the thing that got played with the most, regardless of your age range. How about yourself? It's funny you should mention that because I got an Amazon gift card. And obviously I get, I get independent texts both from you and Julie being like, check out this Lego I bought. Check out this <laughs> Lego I bought. Like, I got my, I'm filling up my Lego building tray. This is the Lego sorting, the infamous Lego sorting tray. Yeah, I made fun of Julie about it, but I shouldn't have. Uh, so yeah, I was like, I'm going to buy a crazy Lego. I'm going to buy that A-Wing that we lost, that I lusted over when we did the Lego store teardown. That's actually, you know, I take that back. That was not my thought process. My thought process was I'm going to buy this book I've been eyeballing. That's like a fancy coffee table book. That's the, um, it's the branding standards guide for NASA in the 1970s. It's like what it's like, here's the NASA truck. Like, here's like how we use the logos. Like here's all the ship logos. Have you read through it yet? No, because I just got it. Yesterday. Okay. I just what I want to hear is an update where you go through it and then you go like, here's all the logos and brand designs I have seen today that clearly borrowed from this. Do you think that that's true? I bet. Okay. Well, we won't know. You're going to be our, all right. our NASA but, design but influence a company, expert. There's a company that does this and they have, they do it. They have like one for the, the original New York subway one and all these other ones. So I was like, I could never justify buying that book. So I did. And I was like, well, I got like 40 bucks left over. Uh, my gift card after buying that. How I much should... was this Lego? How much was this gift card? A hundred bucks. All right. And you spent, I spent 60 on a we'll book. We'll say 70. We'll say 70 on the, on the fancy coffee table book. All right. So we got some cash left over on so this gift get, card. What yeah, happens? So then I'm like, oh, I could buy something else. And I was like, ooh, I could buy a Lego. I could buy that A-Wing. Uh, I think I'm going to have to buy that A-Wing. And the A-Wing is, I think, $200? What? If not more than that. So I... In order to spend $30, I talked myself spending into 150 plus. I didn't need to. Would this have occurred had you not had the gift card? Never in a million years. I wouldn't have bought that's, either of those things. That's the, the magic of gift cards. People who receive gift cards almost universally spend more than the value of the gift card, often significantly more. Somehow handing you the gift card kicks off a new and fun consumption cycle. Yeah. And that's like not just you. That's everybody. Isn't that weird? Well, because I, I see it as like, it, it's my scenario where, um, you know, they got 30 bucks left over or whatever. Right. And they then talk themselves into going, well, I could buy this thing that's $300 and it's like, I'm getting 10% off. So <laughs> I'll just buy this thing. that's $370. And now the merchant got 270 bucks. They never would have had in the first place. Oh, I love those Amazon gift cards. So when you were purchasing Lego, I'm surprised it was in stock. This was like the super hot item this year. It, you know, it was weird because uh, I went to the, I don't know what the term is. I like pre-shopped at the Lego website because they, yeah. they obviously have way better sh sorting yeah. than You go to the, the manu Amazon's so you went website. Direct to, you went uh, direct to the manufacturer to pre-shop it. Yeah. And everything was sold out on the Lego website. I mean, they were just gone. And then on Amazon, if I went directly to the product listing, it was like 350 bucks or some insane number. So the, some retail arbitrage. Yeah, the, the resellers that had it were like gouging. But then there was a special Lego-only page on Amazon that was essentially like a collection listing with buy now buttons sell, being sold to you directly from Amazon. And that had it at the normal 
that price. Weird. I don't. Sometimes I don't get Amazon. Amazon doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't understand the systems. I, it's like too big. I was on a a, a client call and um, the CEO of a, a big organization said, "Hey, we had a spirited uh, discussion last week. Which is Amazon better at, logistics or customer service?" Oh. Uh. Oh, logistics. Logistics. Because I think Amazon Web Services probably falls under logistics, which is obviously like no one really, civilians don't know about Amazon Web Services, but it like controls the entire internet. It does. And when you think about Amazon customer service, consider before you go, well, it's good. Think about this. Is it the self-service or the customer service that you experienced? The self-service is good. Actual Amazon customer service is like non-existent. It's well, okay. It's okay. Well, and I think the, you know, I think people talk about, well, they're really good. Like I get refunds from them or they just resend it. If there's an issue with that sort of stuff, they could just do that. Cause they have so much money. Yes. They could just eat the cost. They like, they don't even, they're, they're not really servicing you in that. They did like the diabolical thing of just like, what are the costs to us to just resend it to you? Oh, relatively nothing. We'll just do it. Who cares? It's like not out of the goodness of their hearts. It's like they did a cruel spreadsheet figured it out was it always this way i mean i remember ordering like cds from amazon 20 years ago i mean i don't remember neither do i back in the dial-up days oh god that noise oh it's the first and last time i used that sound effect oh bring makes me feel feelings <laughs> yeah that dial-up noise there's it, something about it this we go on prodigy in 1991 oh prodigy that's yeah, a good one that's right I'm yeah, like, i have to I, I'm an IBM PS1. Ooh, I hope you still have that keyboard. I do not. Darn. Those go for like a couple hundred on eBay now. I don't know. If, the keyboard, I don't not know the if, computer. Yeah, I don't know if the PS1 keyboard is like the classic. Yeah, I forgot the name of the model. Anyway, this is the unofficial Shopify <laughs> podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, a.k.a. Tech Nasty. Tech Nasty. God. And I'm joined by my business partner of many years, Paul Rita. Today, we're talking about New Year's resolutions for Shopify merchants. So here's the thing. Now through January, we're going to see an influx of new members to our Facebook group, which welcome, and we're going to see new listeners. And so knowing this was going to happen, I asked last week, I said, new members, what's your number one question as you grow your Shopify store? And established members, what do you wish you knew when you were starting out? And today we're going to talk through the top comments and try and work that into New Year's resolutions to grow your store. And actually, that resolution site, that was your idea. I thought it was very good. Well, I didn't explain it fully. <laughs> you just wanted to, like, come up with, like, all right, here's actionable resolutions. Yeah, just us, like, telling people what to think. Oh, okay. Whereas you're, like, you know, asking the plebs about I made, like, a whole thing. Were. Yeah, you made, like, a whole thing. All right, well, we could talk I through. just figured it was just going to be 45 minutes of us riffing, and then I get to leave. <laughs> uh, in... <laughs> Before we get to that, in housekeeping news, so we talked about Shipageddon. Have you heard of Returns Mageddon? <laughs> no, no Returns Mageddon? No. So this is the idea is if you send a record number of gifts, packages, whatever, over the you know, last six weeks, you're going to see record returns as a result of that. And so shipping and customer service issues, if you've experienced them, if you're seeing them, that's going to continue through January. Um, but it really depends on the category. Like apparel is hardest is going to be hardest hit because they have a notoriously high return rate. So go easy on those. Um, 
On shipping, did you ultimately, did you get everything you ordered over Christmas? I got everything I ordered. Uh, I showed you b before we started uh, the Christmas present the kids bought my dad is uh, Titleist will allow you to print anything you want on golf balls. Personalization, always smart. Yep. And so we got, uh, we bought my dad a bunch of golf balls with his head embossed on them. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. They're really funny. It's hilarious. They're great. Um, and the first problem is, of course, you have to buy like literally like 200 golf balls in order to do it, but who cares? Uh, and then, uh, we paid for the expedited, expedited shipping. So it would show up before Christmas and it did not show up before Christmas. Uh, it showed up on Saturday, which was the first, Ooh. the second, I think. Yeah, it was very late. So my wife ordered a fanny pack from coach for her mother. And this was like on black friday she did this not only did it never shipped and still has not shipped if you try and get a hold of them you really can't and they're like hey uh if even if your order hasn't shipped yet it's already sent to the warehouse for processing so we can't cancel it so she has this zombie order that has been now like we're what six weeks into this thing yeah very that was the only one everything else managed to get here including international packages it was weirdly only coach which again fashion and apparel so, you know, maybe they were. Well, and it's not like Coach is like, we're going to hurt our brand. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. They're going to be fine. They'll be okay. All right. You're worrying me hitting all those buttons. You're sure I'm being recorded? I'm quite confident-ish you're being recorded. Okay. <laughs> we're going to have to put on best of, best of Elster. All right. Questions, advice, and at, you know what? We just, <laughs> get, just dub your voice back in after the fact. Get, It'll be like hilarious. It's just going to be Al Roker. <laughs> I don't watch the Today Show anymore, but I do love Al Roker. He was famously, anytime a guest canceled for Conan, that it would be Al Roker because he was already in the building. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, anytime you watch old Conans and Al Roker's the guest, it's only because whatever guest they had canceled. Oh, <laughs> whatever. If you're Al, like, take it. Yeah. Yeah, free publicity, and you just walk down the hall effectively. <laughs> That's a win. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about our, our questions, advice, and actionable resolutions. Uh, Simone Agius asks, uh, what's the best way to increase traffic without using Facebook ads? Uh, she doesn't want to spend money, buy them at the traffic store. Uh, well, it's a long slog. Yeah, it's going to, I think the answer here is. It's content. It's content. It's content. You have to create content. You have to like Instagram, get crazy on Instagram, get crazy on your Facebook, find influencers and like get them your product, like find reviewers and get them your product. And like you need to generate, I mean, those all fall under the umbrella of the word content. Yes. Yeah. When we say, often we say like SEO, that's snake oil, but content marketing, that's great. Two sides of the same coin. It's true. And I, I think the answer here is content. Um, and Trevor Kratz uh, followed up and he had uh, an experience share. He's an experienced merchant. He said, don't ignore SEO. It is easy to be short-sighted and focus on faster ROI channels versus playing the long game. I wish I would have started SEO strategies sooner. Like, and then I fall, I asked him, I said, you know, like what? He said, consistently creating high-quality, engaging content that ranks. We put out 10 blogs a week on one of our sites. So the answer here is, is content marketing as SEO. Yeah, when we talk about, when we say negative things about SEO, what we're talking about is things that are like, keyword stuffing or like weird manipulations or people that are selling you on like, well, I'm going to get you to rank higher and we're going to do all these weird little shenanigans and we're going to like beat the algorithm type stuff. 
That is the SEO that we are down. The, the snake oil SEO we're trying to avoid. That's is the like, stuff we're down on. If it sounds like a shortcut, that's the problem. Yeah, it, any SEO strategy, you know, there, there's SEO stuff that's like, well, we're going to make sure your shit's right on your site. So when the crawlers crawl you, all the best stuff is being read properly. That's necessary SEO. And then there's like weird snake oil SEO, which is we're going to manipulate the results in some way. And don't worry, I'm going to figure it out for you. And you're going to rank super high because we know the secrets. And then there's content-based SEO. Put in the work. Which is... Publish blogs for two years. Yeah, put in a shit ton of work and slog through making blogs and getting stuff to rank due to the fact that it is linked to from everywhere. And everyone liked it. My wife started her site, um, her content-focused Shopify site two years ago. This is really like 2021 will be the first year where organic traffic. So just like the SEO long tail keyword phrases outstrip social and everything else. Yeah. So it's a bit like I've always said, you know, it takes about two years to get things going. If you're doing it without um, paid traffic, it's purely like organic SEO play. I think that's going to be the answer. Well, and we, the, the question you, you put these together so well, uh, the question after this is what's the best way to drive organic traffic to your site? have a bunch of engaging content yes yeah well then um i guess our first resolution is put in tons of grunt work that seems like it's not paying off to make highly engaging content well content i think i've heard this i've I've heard people say this before content marketing seo very much planting a garden you are going to publish all that stuff those are your seedlings nothing is going to happen until suddenly like minimum two months later, uh, traffic starts showing up from Google. Yeah. And then you get really lucky if people start sharing that stuff. That, that helps as well. Um, and Marta, on that end, Marta uh, Scrabbage said, my experience share, don't underestimate the value of investing in good creative, especially when you need it to be curated and used across different platforms. One good piece of creative could generate excellent content across organic and paid channels. So again, this just comes back to make the good content. So, uh, I think you have to experiment. You have to find a medium that works for you and go with that and then publish consistently. So like, so for us, clearly podcasting is the medium that's stuck. That's the one that works. And like Lauren Michaels, you always say what? Oh, uh, the show doesn't, the podcast doesn't go on because it's good. It goes on because it's Tuesday. That's right. And we have published the podcast consistently since 2014. Yeah. Right. Uh, late 2014. And I think it really, it's like 2015. I figured it out, but for five years, this thing has run continuously. We've never missed a Tuesday for five years. And now has generated 1.4 million downloads as a result. Yeah. So like, that's the magic of just consistently publishing and they're not all going to be winners, but you are, it's a skill and you're going to get better at it over time. I hope we have actually, I've, I've gone back and listened no, to some old have. episodes. Oh my God. I know we have. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, not to derail this, I'm just going to completely wreck this right now, no! but uh, what of the people that are like, well, uh, I would like my business to make money before two years from now. What can we do about that? <laughs> I see. I think the issue here is like we're, they're, we're focusing, we're being myopic and focusing on a single channel. I think at all times you want to have a make money today strategy and a make money tomorrow or make to money tomorrow strategy and i think content marketing like you're going to you just have to commit to i'm going to publish weekly no matter what it is i'm going to publish weekly or more and i'll figure out what works and i'm going to play with it 
But that's really like, okay, that gets me organic content, that gets me my social content, that gets me my SEO content, but that's still going to be like 80% make money later and 20% make money now. So I like content marketing for that. But then we also need like, okay, we need to make money today. Well, if we've got a newsletter of any size, even 100 people on it, let's market to those people consistently as though it's an, an email list of 100,000 people, right? Let's treat that newsletter in our business like the professional that it is, even if there's only, you know, 50, 100 people on it, because you want to build that habit. And that's your make money today. Like we could get those people to buy and get them to talk about it and get them to share it. Um, and then, you know, if you're even earlier than that, well, you start with friends and family and see if you can get them to support you. Um, and well, the, and, and I mean, you know, the, I know the initial starting question of this is, uh, without using Facebook ads, buying traffic isn't cheating. It's not like, uh, you know, well, I, I, I did make, like, I did make a bunch of money, but I bought all the traffic and I like paid for advertising and like paid placement of stuff. It's like, it's not cheating. Like Procter and Gamble isn't cheating by like creating soap operas. I don't think it's necessarily cheating. I think either they're doing that activity now and it's not generating the ROI they want. And so they're like, okay, well, what else can I do to augment this? Yeah. Which I think is smart because if, as you have other traffic going to a site that's already, already running Facebook remarketing ads, all right, well, that augments the power of the Facebook remarketing ads and vice versa. Like the whole thing ends up being a force multiplier. So it is hard to look at it as like, well, this one single channel. But so I think when people ask that question, it's either they're intimidated by Facebook ads or paid advertising. They don't want to get into it. They don't want to lose the money on it. Right. So I think yeah. it's like, you know, I think it's a course digital marketer skill. I think just like play with it, whether that's like spending 50 or 100 bucks at it, but to try and get comfortable with it. And you don't necessarily start with like whole Facebook ads, like start with promoted posts. That's way easier to get into and to use a a, a smaller budget effectively mm -hmm. or do like giveaways giveaways yeah. are one of my favorites but again you still to get the reach on that giveaway you still got to promote it well, and i think pr a promoted post is like the easy way to do that yeah well i'm saying like yeah giving you know we talk about the watering holes it's like doing giveaways in the watering holes yep yeah when we say watering holes it's like all right what do these people hang out online they probably hang out in facebook groups forums reddit like where are they can you get all right, then, so then that's, that's another great organic activity. That's grassroots marketing. If I could figure out where they hang out, well, I can hang out there too. Grassroots marketing, often very effective. And that brings us to our next question. Mr. Daniel Mendez asks, how can I use the voice of my customers to build positioning and messaging on my Shopify store? Ooh, ooh, I know this. <laughs> I know this. Uh, send out surveys. Yes. Survey your customers. Ask them why they bought, how it makes them feel. Kurt has a survey that he uses i do and like it's incredible because they tell you how to market your product yes and they're like and you're like how does this why did you buy my product and it's like because it makes my feet feel good and when they say that immediately the h1 on your website should be make your feet feel good mm -hmm. buy this thing yes like they tell you the main advertising pin of it well the thing is like they speak the way customers speak you speak like a marketer. Yeah. You speak like someone who like, this is your baby. And so you need that natural language and you need that core benefit from the person who is actually opening up their wallet and paying for it. Right. Um, but no, that is like consistently for, for myself, for other uh, conversion rate optimization professionals, take that voice of customer and paste it into the headline on a website. Let's say you don't have any customers. Oh, what do I do? 
Just start reading Amazon reviews. Start reading um, forums. Start reading subreddits, Facebook groups. You can start finding the way people talk about a similar product, your product, or um, a similar pain or problem that your your product solves, and then start pulling that language. And you'll see, you'll start to notice like phrases, recurring phrases or phrases you like. And that can really make life much easier, is pulling that stuff. If you want to be fancy with it and get a, um, if you want to be fancy with it and you need like a framework for it, assistance, Adam Smith suggests StoryBrand. StoryBrand, um, I have not done, but it has been recommended so many times that I'm, I'm comfortable recommending it. It is uh, a book or a course, website, a framework for developing um, that brand story. And it, is, uh, it, it does leverage voice of customer. So if I had to pick, you know, as a, as a resolution, like work on that, uh, work on the, the, your brand story, because that's going to become your welcome series. I bet that'll be one of your most effective email series, email flows. Uh, and then that's also going to become the cornerstone of your marketing and help you work through the positioning and then get your headline. Like it all comes back to that, that story. Hold on, an, an offer here has arrived from our newest sponsor. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15%? Well, you could stage a PR stunt where you launch an employee into space, or you could just use Zipify one-click upsell. Created by the owner of a $100 million e-commerce store and trusted by over 8,100 Shopify merchants, one-click upsell helps you boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. So you could make a traditional and effective pre-purchase upsell right from the shopping cart, or make post-purchase upsells immediately after a customer completes their order. And with mobile-optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions and built-in split testing for maximizing your results, it's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $139 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install it, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. So to start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Kurt, K-U-R-T. And once you're there, to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. And back to the show. Uh, Todd Steinberg says, asks, how important is email marketing to building relationships and increasing sales? Which I feel like is asking, how important is food? <laughs> how important is oxygen to breathing? Yeah, it, it's food. It's if you don't eat, if you don't have email, you'll die. If you don't eat food, you'll die. It's literally the most important thing to building revenue well, <laughs> and it, increasing sales. Well, in, the in in digital marketing, it's often said like, well, the value of the business is the list, is the audience. Yeah, and so that email and those email lists just generate money, right? And like we did that holiday email guide. I wonder how much cash that thing threw like the emails that it then inspired in total end up generating quite a lot. But for most of our clients, I would, uh, for, um, it probably most of them email is the number one revenue channel. Oh, without a doubt. And like, you're not paying like, yeah, you're paying for an email service it's a, provider. It's an owned channel too. It's but not yeah, like, you're not yeah, paying. Facebook can't be like, well, that email got typed wrong. So we're not going to deliver your email or Google's not going to say that. Yeah. I mean, it can if you do. I like was going to say actually, if, <laughs> if they type my email in wrong, it probably won't get delivered. Well, you, you know what I'm saying is, right. You know, Facebook it feels like makes these arbitrary and capricious choices regarding to how exactly you have formed your ad, and people are like, "What the fuck? How did that one get canceled? I don't even get it." 
that doesn't happen with email. You control the channel. Absolutely. Yeah, I like it. Um, if you're not doing anything with email, at least be collecting a list and sending out automated emails. I mean, and when I uh, proposed this topic to you, and I was I when I thought of it as our things that we tell people their their New Year's resolutions should be. Mine was focus more on email. Send more email. Like however much you're focusing on email, you need to focus more on email and less on the website. Resolution: like, Send more email. It's like once the site reaches a certain minimum competency bar, it uh, email vastly outstrips anything extra you could be doing. Well, as a touch point, email is great because email is a to do list that other people set. So, like, I check my inbox. Oh, here's a whole bunch of stuff. I need to take action on all of it. Yeah. And so, I, I have to at least consider the sender and subject line. Email is what keeps you top of mind. So if you send me an email about if Lego sends me an email and I had not previously been thinking about Lego, now I'm thinking about Lego. And for a good number of people they send it to, you know, it's a single digit percentage, but it's still like that is a a non-trivial crowd who's going to go, oh, yeah, I was thinking about ordering that thing and then just go do it. I mean, yeah, there's millions of people on the Lego email list. Come on. Yeah, gotta, gotta be. Wait, I would not doubt it. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, send I mean, more email, man. To say I mean, to say like. A single email to the Lego email list generates tens of thousands of orders, which translates to millions of dollars in revenue for every single email. No part of that statement is absurd or wrong. No, no. And what the magic of it is it it works the same regardless of the size of the list. Yeah. Like if I'm emailing a thousand people, you're still going to get 10 orders out of it. Yes. Well, let's say my average order value is 50 bucks. Well, and I got 10 orders. Now I. Every I sent an email, I earned five hundred dollars. Yeah, I could keep doing that as long as I have like you know promotions or products or something to to go with it. I mean, you even do it. I mean, uh, this hasn't been a problem recently, but I remember you know uh, eighteen months ago, two years ago, we'd be like, it's a little light this month, like, and you were <laughs> like, yeah, I want to redo my bathroom, and I was like, I'm just gonna email everyone. And you would just email <laughs> all of our previous clients and be like, hey, you got any work that needs to get done? And, you know, five or six jobs would show up because yeah. they would be like, oh, yeah, you know what? I was thinking about something. I was going to contact you guys. Yeah, no, it works with like there is no category in which email doesn't work. That's what's so cool about it. Let's see. I there was this great advice from uh, Courtney Powell Hartman in the group. She said, if you're launching an apparel store of any kind, you're going to need at least five times the number of new releases you thought you'd need in a given period of time. The appetite for new stuff is endless. And she's right. The human brain craves novelty. Mm -hmm. So if you could come up with new products and new product launches or like re-release products, whatever you could do to make it a new and novel thing makes it interesting. And that's what gets, especially like um, repeat customers to go, yeah, I'll order that. Like I ordered the first one. It was cool. This seems cool. Let's do it. And who does this better than Apple? Apple will resell you the same thing. They've been reselling me iPads <laughs> for how long? Yeah, it's, right? it's Malibu Stacy. She has a new hat. A new hat! <laughs> I wish I had a sound drop for that. Um, <laughs> I almost put a Simpsons sound drop onto that. Into well, it. you're missing out. Ah, I missed out. Uh, let's see. And, yeah, so I think, like, launching product launches are can help drive the growth of a business, for sure. And I know... Um, Casey Bard at Tact Calories has experienced this firsthand. God, that guy's good at marketing and doing product launches. It is unreal. Well, and he's, <laughs> he, it's funny because you're always kind of like, uh, 
You're like, oh, Casey Barnes sent me some cool stuff lately. And I'm like, I, I don't want to say it to you, but it's almost like you, you do realize that every time he sends you something, you blast it out on all of your social media channels. <laughs> like you've become, <laughs> right, talk about it here. you've become an unpaid influencer for him. Because I love it. For free product. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I had the, I oh man, I had his, his barbecue sauce last night. I'm like, oh damn, this is so good. <laughs> Helldiver wing sauce. That's my favorite. You need some buffalo wing sauce? This stuff. Damn. Frank's, baby. Frank's. Frank's. Okay, Frank's is good, but I'm going to step up your game. All of your hot things are like a dare. You're right. I just want to enjoy flavors, <laughs> not cry. Uh, you know, everybody could use a good cry now. Yeah. And <laughs> well, the problem is. Especially with, when it's just searing yeah, agony. The problem is with you, that's the only way you could achieve it. <laughs> that's your therapy. Correct. <laughs> yeah. It's a, an addiction. The spicy food. I love it. Very healthy addiction. Uh, but so we've got all these ideas. How do you implement them? Well, uh, Andre Rudnick suggests there's a lot of quality Shopify partners that can help you do pretty much anything you want on your store. He's not wrong. So the resolution, the way I would reframe this is think as a business owner, think of money as a tool to buy back your time. When you are spending money in that way, where you're using it to in some way, buy back your time, whether that's like software automation, smart home stuff, or like hiring someone, even like, you know, hire somebody for 25 bucks to plow your driveway, whatever it is, that is you buying back your time. And that is almost universally a great use of money. Yeah. You could buy back your own time. I mean, we hire people. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, oh, we don't want to handle that. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> and get somebody to do it. Put cars on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we have like servers that we have websites on. It's like, we don't administer those servers. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... Mm -mm. Uh, and finally... Emily Clark had a comment that I wanted to share. She said, I love episodes that touch on just how much time and effort something takes. It really helps me to set my own goals and expectations. Well, I think, I think you got to be patient. And I think building any business, like regardless of what it is, where it's starting, like between where it is now and where you want it to go, I think it will almost always be 24 months. Hmm. I, that, that, I, that's my rule of thumb. And I, there's like, you know, edge cases and variation in there but yeah. like if we're setting expectations i think i think 24 months is usually like the safe answer well in 24 months of grinding it out yeah not like not well, like i think about it occasionally well, yeah of actual grinding it out but i was also thinking of like well on day one i dropped a quarter million dollars into like this this and this and it was kind of like okay uh maybe not the best choice well but even if that is how you did the business you you started your business and ran it it's like, wow, it's a big success, but you still need to earn that money back. Yeah. Like it would still probably be 24 months too profitable, mm -hmm. right? So even if I'm going to bootstrap it and it's always profitable, but like low revenue and it just grows incrementally over time. That's our approach. I like it. Um, 24 months took us longer than that. Oh yeah. Uh, and, or if, Hey, I'm going to drop a bunch of coin up front to do this. Fine. You can do that too. But you know, at what point does the business become profitable? Or even like, what, when does it get to a point where I could sell it and then that's the payout? So I think no matter what, it's two-year timescale. Well, and, and I think you need to take into account two years from now, you're going to be a lot less dumb than you currently are right now. Like right now when you're starting this business, you're dumb. You don't know what you're doing. You don't, you don't have the experience. And, and that's okay. Yeah. And then two years from now, you're going to be like, oh man, I was so fucking dumb. And then two years after that, you're going to look back on the previous two years have been like man i was dumb i didn't know anything and if at any point that stops happening 
You've stopped growing. Yeah. You, it, like, that's just life, man. We're just dropping life advice now. <laughs> if every five years you're not looking back at yourself five years ago and being like, I was stupid as hell. Like, yeah. You've, you've, made, you've gone down a wrong path. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how much, uh, how much things change over time. Well, that's, that's the end of the... The questions. Yeah, the questions. We still got time. We got to give the people some more. Uh, <laughs> so what is my resolution, my overarching resolution for the people listening to this right now is I want them to care less. Oh? Because I feel like a lot of the time they get very myopic about things and like you lose it's the force for the trees where you lose sight of like what's really important and what's not important in terms of the business in the in the store so it's like email always going to be more important than everything like that weird that weird animation on this like image on your store not very important it's you know what i always think of that as um a shiny toy syndrome yeah so yeah, your yours would be, hey, you know, look at the bigger picture, be less myopic, think longer term. Yeah, and, and I just mine would be I avoid would, shiny toys. Yeah, it's just like look at your actual money numbers of the money you're making, and then figure out how to make more of the money. Not, I feel like revenue becomes a backseat to feelings. Oh. Yes. And well, especially like, when you own your own business, because it's like it is so you and the business are so entangled. Yeah, and it's, it's so up. easy to get emotional about it. Yeah. And, the you know, the people who are really successful are like total sociopaths often. <laughs> True. Not always, but sometimes like, yeah. it's not unusual to find really successful like psychopaths in business. Um, and why are they successful? It's not because they're you know, in some way like immoral monsters. No, but it's because. It. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's because they they can divorce themselves emotionally, so they're able to make better decisions. And they, yeah, they can divorce. They can separate their identity from the business. Yes. And you know, I mean, I've been like writing and talk to you, talking to you about this for over half a decade now. But it's like people that have that like I'm a big boy businessman syndrome, where it's like, are you in this to make money or are you in this to feel like a big boy businessman? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you have to consider. Uh... Consider your motivations. And if that is your motivation, that's fine. But you need to personally be aware of it. Yeah. So that it doesn't get in the way of other decisions. Yeah. I, I, so I, I think my key is you really want to like look at the look at how your money is being generated. Look at how your revenue is being generated, where it's coming from, places where the revenue is falling down or you can increase it and stuff like that. Or like how the product is being built, you know, actual stuff that's like the linchpin foundations of the business and don't pay as much attention to the other stuff. And I think you should be a psychopath. <laughs> and everything you think is really just something to hit the noise button. You know, I did a, a, a whiskey happy hour call with um, my in-laws and my brother-in-law. And he's like, all of your questions are setups for the soundboard, aren't they? He, yeah, he's right. I was like, yes. I assume that was Mike. Mike's very... Uh, Mike's astute. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike uh, picks up on stuff. Yeah. And they did not... They just did not enjoy Yakety Sacks the way I did. And then that was kind of the end of it. That's fabulous. Ugh. Comedy goal. Um, I don't know. What do you want to see out of business owner, customer, client people, client type people. I want people to be happy. That's what I want, truly. And so the way, what I have been doing and thinking about, and that's what I want for myself, 
and my family. And, uh, and so for the last uh, several weeks, I've just been thinking about, you know, like, what do I want short term and long term? And I think when you're asking yourself these things, like phrase it that way, you know, short term and long term. Um, and what stresses me out? So there's like two parts to it. It's like, what do you need? And what do you need to get rid of? You know, what are those two things? All right, well, which is the most realistic? What can we do? Then you got to, and then once you've generated this list, you got to prioritize it. I think that's where people fall on their faces with resolutions. It's like, I've got all these great goals, but if you've got a whole bunch of goals, you end up going just a million. Yeah, you can't focus on it. Yeah, you're going 12 different directions. You end up going nowhere as opposed to like, all right, you got to prioritize and pick. And then that's when you're going to see forward momentum and progress. All right. Well, we're not actual therapists. We're only Shopify therapists. So <laughs> reword that for their stores. Okay. Here's what you do. You're staring at your store and you're looking at other people's stores and you're frustrated about something about your business. And also maybe don't look at other people's stores and being like, look at that. They got a weird little button down there. Yeah, I need you, to have yeah. a weird little button down there because they have it. And it's like, you sure? Are you sure that that's... Yeah, you don't know why they did it. I once had someone go, hey, we have to put this badge for uh, this other business on here or I'm going to get cut out of the family will. That's a real thing that happened. Yeah. So, like, my point, though, it's not to besmirch them, but that you don't know the reasoning, the real reasoning behind why certain decisions are made on websites. Mm -hmm. So, like, certainly... Resolution one, oh my gosh, stop looking at other people's websites and like lusting after, well, they did this, I need to do that. It makes stuff crazy. Um, the Yeah, it's like, you know the reason the button's blue? It's not because they did like split testing and like people trusted the color blue more in relation to this product. It was because the guy's girlfriend was just like, I think blue would be nice, so now it's blue. They're like, uh, she's an art therapist and she said blue is healing. You're like, okay, well, that's what we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah, no, you really have no idea. It's like, that's why this, uh, I worked on a site uh, back in a past life that on every, uh, they sold horse-related products. I love this store. And on every single page load, there would be the sound of horse clip-clops. <laughs> I was forced to put that on the website because I had a boss, and there was no way out of that. So every fucking page load, there would be a wave file that was five seconds of horse clip-clops. And this was way back when? Uh, I would say 2007. 2007, were, were people using dial-up modems then? <laughs> Stop it! Oh, my ears! Oh, what is that? We're on DSL, come on. Tech nasty. Stop it. Uh, but yeah, so I'm sure maybe some of their maybe some of their competitors in the horse space were like, oh man, dude, they got the horse clip. They got that multimedia sound effect. Multimedia clip clop action. Oh we man, that. we need it. <laughs> and they're emailing their developers like, uh How come we didn't think of the clip clop? <laughs> No, they're probably like, please don't make us do this. <laughs> uh, so the other thing you do is in your business, review, figure out, rather than like beat your head against the wall with the stuff that didn't work, figure out what did work. Like what are the channels that generate revenue? What are the emails that get sales? What works in this business? Make an inventory of that. And then your resolution should just be do more of that. Like let's do double that stuff. You know, I want 80% of my time being devoted to the things I know worked. And then 20%, I'm just going to experiment and not be hard on myself for things that, you know, don't work. We're just going to try things. Uh, oh, that's big. You like that? I, it's big. I think trying stuff and just being like, you know what? I'm trying this out. It's going to be crazy. Could totally screw it up. And uh, if I screwed it up and it didn't work out and it was a bad idea, that's fine. I did, I did a good job trying something. Yes. Well, you know what's funny? Like we were talking about the show. Um, we, to this day, really have no idea what episodes 
are going to really get people excited and drive a lot of engagement and get response. And the episodes that we're like, we're really excited about, we publish them, you know, and then like nobody cares. Yeah, I think, uh, not to brag, but I feel like that I'm a very good cook. And the reason I'm a very good cook is because I'm just kind of like, well, what if I tried it this way? And, you know, you kind of self-teach yourself about what will work and what won't. And you'll get evidence in the future when you're like, I think that might work because this thing that's kind of like that worked and it's different from this way that didn't work in this way. And it gives you evidence in the future to make better decisions. Well, all right, let's break it down this way here at th um, famously at 3M, the, the folks that gave us all kinds of tape adhesives, et cetera, uh, they would have their engineers do 20% time. So Monday through Thursday. Is that where that came from? Yeah, this 3M. I, I always heard it was Google. I mean, Google was the first one I heard of. A they, lot of people do, to, a lot of businesses do 20% time because of this. Uh, so 3M started. And so 3M is Monday through Thursday, you do your work for 3M. Friday, you come to 3M, and then you work on your own stuff. And that's where Post-it notes came from. Yeah. It was uh, an adhesive that was meant to be for something else. And you discovered the thing would keep sticking, and they ended up using a paper. Yeah. So I think you could do... If you really want to take this idea further, you do the same thing in your own business. Like Monday through Thursday, we're going to work on the activities that we know generate revenue. Yeah, of Friday, like our currently running business. Friday, let's throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. I mean, we do that all the time. Friday is when yeah, things get weird. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, that's all I got. How about yourself? I'm good. I can't believe I have to like do work. I have two assignments and now I need to edit this podcast and then I have like two more assignments. At least I need to do this week. This is a nightmare. <laughs> There's people with office jobs. Like I hate this man. Yeah, I know. I just want to go uh, home. I just want to go home and play Hades. All I've done is play computer games for like two weeks. <laughs> it's not healthy. You need to go outside, touch the ground, see the sun, the sun. It's January. I know. It's just, uh, this kicks off three months of endless grain. Chicago. Yeah, it's just terrible. I let's let's go ahead and let's end things on uh, a freestyle rap that Ezra Firestone recorded for me. Uh, is this part of Ezra Firestone's new ad with us, or is this going to be just part of the show? No, this is just part of the show. I'm going to take off my headphones before that happens, <laughs> and we'll leave. <laughs> Tech nasty. Oh shoot. I'm on the Tech Nasty podcast. Tech Nasty, never letting a Shopify store get past me without optimizing and making it flashy. I'm so cashy. Convert the desktop and mobile traffic. K-U-R-T-I-N-C if you want to tweet at me. The big dog, Tech Nasty. Wow. So if you're wondering where that Tech Nasty sound drop came from, it's that. I wish I had that level of self-confidence. Oh, I know. <laughs> Isn't that, that's awesome. Uh, the, the impressive part is, well, that's impressive. He's he's an interesting man. Yeah, I like Ezra. All right, let's let's end it there. See you, Paul. Bye. If you've ever updated your Shopify theme, you know how time-consuming it can be, especially if you have to migrate customizations like app installs or language edits. Fortunately, there's a better way. The folks at Out of the Sandbox built a tool that makes updating your theme faster and significantly easier. It's called the Theme Updater app. With it, you can update your Out of the Sandbox or Pixel Union theme with the click of a button without losing any of your old settings, customizations, or app installations. You'll get email notifications whenever a new version of your theme is available. And with the Pro Plan option, you can enjoy access to priority theme support, retain custom language edits, and view template customizations to accelerate your theme updates. Start updating your theme today. 
Go to outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial to see the theme updater in action. And best of all, if you purchase Flex or Turbo using the code KURT20, you'll save 20% and get a year of access to the theme updater absolutely free. That's right. Save 20% and get one year of updates and upgrades for free. That's code KURT20 for 20% off Flex or Turbo and one year free of the Theme Updater app. Never miss out on another theme update again. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. So please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.